Greetings, legendary poddlers! Welcome to episode 0.5 of Even Footing Games Presents Avatar Legends. Last session, we had some fun with the world and campaign creation mechanics of the system, and today we're going to do some character pending, so that way we can get them ready for you to root for. Okay. With me is my Ooh. expert crew of role players. Sound off! Hi! Aaron! Yay! <laughs> Lisa! Yeah. Lee! I'm Garrett. And I'm Jack, your GM and lore bender. Now, <laughs> hey, how about we get started making some characters? Let's do it. Yes, sure. sure. Thing, boss. Do it. Okay, um, we already did a little bit last session. We already picked the playbooks. So we're already square there where we got some names. We jumped ahead a bit and already made some connections between the characters. So that way there's a bit of narrative ties. Since the system likes to really kind of have the group know each other first um, and already have established relationships that you can work off of. So next is history questions. I think it might be good to actually do a question for everybody. You know, we do boom, 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 um, because there are about five, five questions for each playbook. So we're going to start with Lee because I'm going off of the Leah PDF list that we have. You are playing the adamant. The mm -hmm. adamant's main balance is restraint and results, meaning that your character tends to be kind of headstrong and kind of very mm -hmm. open sometimes with uh, not aggression, but wanting to make sure that things are done. But they also might have some trouble expressing themselves. And that's your balance. So with that in mind, with your history... Your history is all tailor-made to this. The question, first question is, what experience of being deceived or manipulated convinced you to steal yourself against being swayed by other people? My character, my man, is, is a person of noble birth. So I was thinking that maybe they had an incident when they were younger where they might have had a sibling that had to go away to maybe Earth Kingdom or or Air Kingdom and sort of be like an ambassador in that situation. And unfortunately, their parents kind of contested them for this oh. and was saying something like, you know, well, if, you know, you are on your best behavior or we only want to send the best representative to these people and so this kind of put me at odds with my sibling and I felt after they left, after my sibling left, I was made very aware that this was a act of manipulation and that this was oh. something that probably shouldn't have happened to someone my age and it only really hit home when I didn't have that person around me anymore. That actually, I like that a lot. That was very in depth. Um, now you get to sum it up, though, and write it under the history question. Yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> Bye, sibling. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll write something up for that. Okay, now we move on to the foundling, Garrett. The yes. foundling is all about your dual heritage. Yeah. Uh, their main balance, the two things that they are kind of at odds with, is unity versus heritage, embracing mm. the world and embracing. Your both well, heritage, the cultures that you represent. Mm -hmm. So the question for you is, the first question is, how and when did you learn about your second heritage? Well, so I would have learned about my second heritage fairly early because my father would have been Earth Kingdom, but my mother would have been Water Tribe. And that's why we live with the Earth Kingdom. But then I would have learned about my heritage watching my mother do Earth 
do some water bending. So was she okay? So was your father like pretending to be a part of the tribe at first, or was it more like you know it just happened? <laughs> well, actually, I guess it could go the other way. I had always, I guess, when I originally conceived this, it would be we would have gone with my father to the Earth Nation and been living in the Earth Nation with my mother being kind of have left the water tribe, the Foggy Bottom Swamp tribe, and kind of left them behind, but still retained some of her knowledge of how to do water bending. Oh, and yeah, sure. so it would be one of those quiet things that she would just do, like dad would dig the irrigation trenches and work with irrigation trenches, and she would quietly start waving her arms in manners to be able to move the water up and down the irrigation channels. And so it would be, I would recognize some of that as being, wow, she really likes water a lot. And then I would find <laughs> I have a lot of affinity with water because it would have been, yeah, probably when I was young that she would have taught, would have recognized I could also bend and then would teach me some basic water bending type techniques of the Foggy Bottom uh, Swamp Tribe. Sounds but it would good. also be very tied in with the Earth Nation because we'd be living in the Earth Nation but I would be learning more about the water bending and the, the water tribe part of my heritage. And just like with Lee, if you can sum that up and write that under the uh, first question on history. All right, now we move on with Lisa with the idealist. The main thing with the idealist is due to some sort of action that's happened in your life, some sort of, I guess you can say, some sort of trauma, you kind of have a very certain way of dealing with things. So your balance is mostly about forgiveness versus action. So it's more about the idea of what type of things do you lean on in life? Do you harbor those feelings? Do you act on those feelings? And stuff along that line. I see you already wrote in your answer to your first history question. What tragedy befell you at a young age? And then we talked a bit about this the last episode too. Yeah. Um, so my parents died when I was young and I actually don't know what to like so so the second question is who do i hold most responsible oh, we'll get oh, to that <laughs> okay oh, are we going like okay yeah we're doing right. one 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 ah okay Alrighty. so is that yeah you know what i'll i'll stick with one tragedy tragedy in my lifetime so far <laughs> well, that's, that's good that's 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 healthy to make that choice <laughs> yeah if only real life was like that right yeah really. no right <laughs> you don't get to choose well, at that point, it sounds like that's, that one's pretty clear cut. Now we got the successor with Aaron. The successor's uh, balance is all about tradition versus progress. You were taught something. You were raised on something. And you still want to respect that. But at the same time, you're of a new generation. You see things a little differently. You can see how things could be. And so your balance is weighing in between that. So your first history question is, who is the current head of your lineage? And how do you love and frustrate each other? So I was actually trying to look this up, and I can't remember if there is a already named person who is in charge of the library, the Wanchi um, Tong Library at this time. Well, I don't think there is a certain person. I don't think they okay. have it broken down by eras or anything like that. Right. So I just figure, like, there's a... Probably like a older, like great uncle or great grandfather or something like that. That is kind of the head of deciding if they are going to let people in. Because at this time, this is already when they're kind of locking their secrets down. Because people stole the, the secrets of Ba Sing Se. And so 
I think that I I think we would just make up a name for that person. Oh, we can do that. Let's do it I right mean, now. unless you, you right think now. Right, right on the spot. We I mean, I can come back to that to the name, but like some sort of great let's say great uncle who is, you know, trying to kind of more actively conceal the the secrets of the library from those they feel would do bad things with it. And I think that I probably respect him a lot for his dedication to the knowledge and his willingness to learn, but I am not thrilled with the keeping the knowledge away from people because I think the knowledge can be used to help. Sounds good. I did pull up an Earth Kingdom name generator while you were talking. Title maybe might be like administrator or something okay. like that. Mm. Administrator Poe. Lore Keeper. Lore Keeper. Delver of the Bolts. Now we go back around. Okay, Lee with the Adamant. You have a mechanic called a Lodestar. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, the Lodestar is someone in your life that you can actually open up to and be vulnerable to. It's probably one of the only people you can. Now, your second question has to deal with that, mm -hmm. which was who was your first Lodestar and why were they an exception? Why aren't they your Lodestar anymore? I think with creating my sibling backstory on the spot, it's pretty obvious who my yeah. first Lodestar would have been is them. And it was just someone I was always very close with. We grew up together, of course, or lived together and always talking to each other. Why aren't they anymore? Well, we were turned against each other and they moved away. I lost contact and communication, and by the time I realized what was happening and w what our parents were doing to us, it was too late. Okay, so that definitely sounds like your sibling then. Mm. Hey, Garrett, back around to you. Yeah. Who in your family insists you focus on upholding the family heritage? Well, so I'm going with my father's mother, so it'd be my paternal grandmother, and she was integral working with my grandfather who has passed in developing some herbalism and irrigation systems in the earth nation to feed the people Ooh. so to her it is very important that we maintain this attitude of we are here to help people and we are here to feed people because that's what helps people hungry people can't do anything well, at that point, that sounds like she might have been pro-Earth uh, Sages at that point. She was. Since they were all about helping the lower classes of Bossing say in the other cities. Yes. So my family would have been, and that was partly what also then, in my mind, helped attract my mother, because the Foggy Bottom Water tribe would have also been about helping common, low-level people. And so then it made sense for that was why she fell in love with my father, and then was willing to move away from the the water tribe to join my father in the earth nation because they were all about helping the people and originally when i came up with the ideas for possibly being an idealist this was going to deal into my background but because i i switched it over to being more of a foundling this also works but i don't have to have great family tragedy involved no, but it you also adds you some <laughs> no, that's fine. This adds some mystery to it would have been some of my father's or my grandmother's friends 
who might have disappeared in the Earth Sage occurrence. So, and then that's also then feeds very nicely into who insisted we uphold the family heritage, grandmother. So my family's heritage is tied strong to the Earth Sage lineage, but I come from a waterbending background, and then that creates my conflict between the unity and the heritage. That's definitely interesting. I like that you worked mm-hmm. in the balance very well in that. I try. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we go back around to Lisa with the idealist. Who do you most hold responsible for the tragedy and why? So now we get to talk about that. Okay, so I just wouldn't know. Would the answer be found out like when we go on this, like when we play, you know? That's that's fine. You could say currently unknown. Okay, all right. Because I know that's part of our journey. You just have some anger misdirected (laughs) so how do i know when i find the answer then since this is made up by me well it'll be something that will be okay avatar legends is you know i'll reiterate from last episode is a powered by the apocalypse game it is Mm -hmm. a narrative first game the way that i tend to run powered by the apocalypse games is i love contribution from the players so who knows maybe at the time where the knowledge would be revealed and after you play the character for a lot of sessions and experience a lot of things maybe Mm -hmm. then we'll revisit this question and you can tell me oh Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) but you don't have to maybe i might maybe you know we can work on something together along the way okay you don't sound too satisfied with that. <laughs> I guess I just don't understand. Like, it's... Yeah. I mean, I... Mm, okay. Well, part of your journey is finding that out. So it depends on, A, how you find out under the situations that you have. Because here's the thing. In regards to the plot of this campaign, mm-hmm. I mean, now that we got done some of the campaign creation, I have ideas. Oh, okay. But they're loose ideas. They're all very loose ideas because one thing is that the rolling is always the result of, or the, yeah, the roll results are narrative results. So you don't like fail or succeed. Instead, something narratively bad happens. So who knows? Maybe at the time that you find out, who knows? It might be, there might be part of a role. And maybe if you roll bad, maybe it might be someone that you knew and trusted. Okay. Maybe. You know, or something like that. There's a million and one ways that we can go about it that will that will be revealed. You know, as it happens. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a different system, and it's definitely something that's something to get used to. I would say, and just kind of not along until you get it. <laughs> really, okay, I can do what that. happens. Well, yeah. you'll not along, and I'll be asking questions. Yes, <laughs> just pick yeah. up things on the spot. Okay. This is very big on improv. Okay. So we'll leave that as currently unknown, as it's unknown even to me. Okay. Now we go back around to, the, to Aaron and the successor. What close mem- be, uh, member of your lineage wants to revolutionize it? So I was thinking that I have an older sibling who basically clashed so much with the older generation that was maybe there while the paper knives raided the library uh and so they are like very they the older generation like my great uncle they're very protective of the knowledge and because of this my older sibling who really wanted to have you know make the the knowledge known left 
like left the or didn't want anything more to do with the library is going to use their knowledge to help people. And I was maybe too young, but I idealized this person or this this sibling. So like I really look up to them and in my mind that at the time that my sibling could do no wrong. So Interesting. it was I really think that they're right and that the old people are being fuddy duddies about the library. <laughs> okay. With the adamant, who earns your grudging respect by teaching you pragmatism? So I think that at some point, Mayu, which is my person, which I named, got to know somebody else who might have been in competition for this ambassador position. They met uh, another person of a different family, and that guy was not super thrilled about the idea of being an ambassador. It was just something that they were kind of going along with for their family. And when Mayu got to know this person, they started to realize that this was an artificial title, that this was not such like a grand thing. And when Mayu's sibling was moved away, they got closer to this person and started to realize like what was happening and how these sort of like royal politics happen. And though they never became friends, that this other person, this other competitor opened their eyes to this sort of political games that happen. And Mayu became a bit more adept in dealing with that sort of thing. Cool. Um, I'm going to name this person Mozai. Fire Nation Ooh. politics. Yes. Yeah, so, Always fun. Yeah, so Mozai mm -hmm. was in competition to be an ambassador as well. He's from a different family. And Mozai got to know, know Mayu and was just like, hey, I don't know what you're getting all in a huff about. This is not even a great deal. And you should be more <laughs> worried about losing your sibling. So. Yeah. That that definitely works. And maybe Mayu wasn't ready to hear that sort of truth yet. And you also yeah. reminded me that I need to be referring to your characters by name now. I refer to you by your character names, not your um, yes. player Person names. Name. I, I normally, I'm, I'm very good about it during play. I didn't think about it doing it during character creation, but I think it's probably better for you guys, the listening audience, to get used to the names and what everyone's all about. Well, and it's useful for us to start inhabiting our characters that way. That too. This is the time to do it. So speaking of Garrett, let's get inhabiting, shall we? With your character, she. 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 And let's let's see what question were we on with you. Oh, we were oh. on who, who helped ha you understand that your two trainees can complement each other. There you go. So with my character, with she, she knows that his mother explained to him that Foggy Bottom Water Tribe also comes from nothing like a lot of the common folk in the Earth Nation. And that by helping those in need, we all do better. And so she's mother helped him to understand that the water bending could help some of the technology and cultivation that was found in the Earth Nation, along with some of the herbalism that was found in the Earth Nation. And that complemented some of the water bending and some of the healing styles she's mother was a big fan of. 
I like it. Hey, now we round back around to Lisa with Takwa. Next question is, who helped you through your grief and what did they teach you? So I, it was my grandfather, but I wouldn't say he helped me through the grief. It was kind of like I was put in his care and then he just never really talked about the incident. And I wasn't like, I, when I was younger, I would try to ask him about what happened, but he would not he would not tell me. So I actually had to kind of, I, I don't even think I got over, like, I, I grieved properly. Like, my grandfather taught me that, you know, like, we don't show our emotions. We have to be strong. So I realized that I, I can't get answers from him. That's interesting. So it kind of taught you more about self-reliance in a way. Yeah, definitely. It makes people think I, like, kind of don't care or I'm, like, aloof and stuff. But, like, I just kind of don't really show much emotion. Cool. Sounds good. And now back around to Aaron with the successor and way. Yeah, so what what do I carry around that reminds me of the place that I associate with my lineage? And I think I carry a vial of sand from the Siwang Desert. Ooh. Or, like, around my neck. Because that is where the library is. And I think that being there, I probably have kind of a, a deeper appreciation of the desert-type ecosystem than somebody who is not from the desert. You know, it's more complex than people who are not from there would think. Mm -hmm. And so, and the library is very complex as well. So that is what reminds me of it. I like it. All right, now back around to Lee with uh, Mayu. My trinket. All right. Mm, so roll D100, right? Oh, wait. Can't talk about that. <laughs> Wrong <here>. system. Wrong <laughs> system. <laughs> and wait, why, why, does a, why does a firebender have a troll tooth? Yes, a, a small stone that is warm in your hand. Uh, heirloom or a piece of craftsmanship do I carry to remind me to stay true to myself? Hmm. I'm debating between two things here. So I have two important figures in my life right now. We've got a, a sibling and then a person who gave me some hard truths. I think that based on the path that Mayu is taking right now, that they probably took something from Mozai. So Mozai was somebody that was more familiar with the politics that went around in the Fire Nation, and he was very sure of his goals and how he didn't want to be part of any of that. And so he kept a book, a small, like, uh, handbound book that had a bunch of names in it and some notes on these different political heads. And when Mayu found out more about these people, Mozai gave him the book just as a, a point of proof because I didn't want to believe what was happening at the time and he had no more use for it. So he keeps this book around in his pocket to remind himself that not everyone is as they seem and to keep his head on his shoulders, I guess. Nice. Okay, back around to the foundling. 
with Garrett and she. Being from the Earth Nation, wears mostly uh, Earth Nation clothing, and so has a lot of Earth Nation outer exposure, or representation, I suppose you would say. So on top of that, aside from being Earth Nation, she also wears the traditional like leaf hat of the Foggy Bottom Water Tribe. But more importantly to she is he also wears a necklace that looks like mangrove roots because mangrove is the life of the swamp and is interconnected and intertwined like all life is. So to him, that is more important to remind him of um, the two cultures because the mangrove also goes into the earth. Oh, so double so, hats, hats on hats. So it's kind of a hats on hats thing. Very deep, both, you know, deep roots and yeah, all that fun stuff. <laughs> I've thought about this stuff. <laughs> Did as if you got a grove in your brain, grove of ideas. Yeah, we cultivate lots of things here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tekwa, your turn. Yes. So the question is, what symbol heirloom mark do I carry to remind me of what I lost? So I have this necklace. It's kind of like the chain is kind of dainty because I think it belonged to my mom. And it's like kind of like a it's just like a stone Mm -hmm. and it's yellow and I don't know what it is. And it's I've not seen it in in my surroundings, so I don't know if it's maybe was my mom came from somewhere far away and then, you know, or somebody gave it to her. I just don't know. I just, I just have it and I wear it. Okay. Hey, now we go back around to Wei. So what part of my lineage's identity is most important and valuable to me as a person? And I think that their emphasis on bettering yourself and that knowledge, the knowledge of the society is made up of everyone's individual perspectives and so everyone's input into that is important i think that way is a firm believer that all knowledge and all perspectives are important to the entire picture that's very good from a someone from the wang Tong library now the last question is the same for all playbooks it is why are you committed to this group or purpose so again, we start back at the beginning. Mayu, bear in mind your purpose right now is you guys um, got some information. Yes. Some so, dubious information. You want it safe and secure. So this all came together a lot better than I thought it was going to. I think that Mayu has already had a bit of a rocky foundation when it comes to noble secrets and any sort of you know, upper class dealings and Rocky. Rocky, wait, you and Earthbender <laughs> right. didn't say it. I'm a secret Earthbender. No, so when he caught wind of any sort of misdeeds happening in this market and seeing this exchange of information, he was immediately very interested. And the very idea of being able to travel to any sort of Earth Kingdom, any sort of other nation, so that he might find his sibling again, was also a great incentive. He doesn't hold a lot of hope of seeing this person again, but it doesn't hurt for getting along with these people. So it's almost like the group is just part of a way of seeing the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's it's a good, good way to see it with it. others. Mm-hmm. 
And now we run back around to she. So she kind of views this as these are my friends. We are interconnected. I need to help them find truths and the right things. We've seen something that was wrong. We need to set it right. Yeah, because all it takes is uh, one weed to ruin a whole garden, right? Mm-hmm. And because we're all interconnected, we've got to make this right. I wish you listeners could have seen the smirk that Lee just gave me. <laughs> the side eye. <laughs> She's like, oh no, I see how this whole, this whole, uh, this whole season is going to be. I'll get ready with the screen cap next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we go back around uh, to Tequa. Why are you committed to this group or purpose? So we're also mentioning the idea that within the library also could be the knowledge of your parents. We didn't really include that much within the intro. So maybe it's something you might be holding on to. Yeah. So I was thinking, so I, I'm with the group because... I do have this long to find the answer to what happened to my parents. But having gotten to know the group, I also think this is a group of people that I can trust. And I don't have many people that I feel that way around. So I kind of feel compelled to help them with their pursuits as well. Nice. I like that. I like that. You know, everyone so far has got a good sense of like, okay, I, I'm getting something out of this, but I am around people I can trust or like. Good. That keeps up with the theme. Let's see if that theme continues with our last person, Way. <laughs> so I think that realizing that there is info out there that maybe should not be in the public's hands has Way shook. Like, maybe everything that she knew about the library, maybe any of the dark secrets that that she at her level were was exposed to were not really very deep and dark, as she thinks. And the idea that there are things that would not benefit society to be out there is kind of, like, completely opposite of what she had learned from her sister who left the, the library. And... I think that she needs to kind of reevaluate her feelings and maybe also learn from people who have not, who have different perspectives. I think that her feeling about that everyone is, everyone's knowledge is really important to society as a whole. I think that she wants to learn from people who maybe don't have the same library upbringing as she does. Okay. Continue the tradition. All right, there we go. Everyone's histories have been nicely sealed. Okay, now we get to the fun bits of the playbooks. Each class has a uh, class playbook has a special ability you can say to it. Now these tie into the move mechanics of the game. Now Powered by the Apocalypse games typically run on what's called moves. Uh, moves are kind of narrative triggers. In every Powered by the Apocalypse game, does it differently. Basically, let's say, for example, in Avatar Legends, they have a move specifically for convincing or pleading, rather. They have one for pleading. So if I catch wind that one of the players is pleading to an NPC, I'm like, oh, seems like you're pleading. We are going to roll for a plead move. And there are certain narrative triggers based on the uh, results. The actual playbook abilities tie into those. They're not specifically moves, but they're close enough and they can affect them. For example, um, if we take Mayu, the Adamant's ability, the Lodestar, there are a couple things actually latched onto this, and they're all pretty much social. 
First and foremost, uh, you have a special ability that when you shut someone down who is vulnerable to harsh words or icy silence, you can shift their balance, or you shift your balance towards result. And you roll with the result. So that's actually your balance tracker. On a hit, they mark a condition, and you clear the same condition. So conditions are emotional states. Afraid, angry, guilty, insecure, troubled. So you're making someone angry. But, you, but by doing so, you're clearing it. You're clearing it for yourself. On a 10+, plus, they also cannot shift your balance or call you out for the rest of the scene. And on a miss, they have the exact... Um, they have exactly the right retort, meaning they fire back at you. And you end up marking marking a condition. You shift your balance. Mm -mm. You cannot use this me. on your lodestar. Okay. Your lodestar can also shift your balance or call you out, and you cannot resist it. This is someone that you hold dear and you hold their opinions on high, very high. If we're not bothering with NPC lodestars at the moment, so we're not even going to bother with that. Also, when you consult your lodestar for advice on a problem, there are special mechanics for that too. You roll with your restraint um, on your balance bar. Um, on a 10, you take three options. On a 7 to 9 result, you take two. These could be you see the wisdom of their advice. They shift your balance, follow their advice, and then shift your balance again. The conversation bolsters you. Clear condition or mark two fatigue. With fatigue being kind of like the hit points a little bit, fatigue is just kind of anything that like causes you any type of mental, emotional, or physical strain. Marks of fatigue. So that, sorry, real quick, just so I have like an idea. So that is like either, so either way I'm seeing what they're saying, but so I can either clear a condition or I can like begrudgingly accept that I don't want to do that and mark fatigue. Well, there's also a third option where oh. you feel at ease offering oh. their opinion. Or they feel at ease at offering their opinion, and they clear a condition or two fatigue. Oh, okay. Oh. So you get it. to choose two or three of these based on what you roll, or on a miss, something about their advice infuriates you. And you mark and get addition, or I shift your balance. My choice. Mm -hmm. So that right there is sort of like, yeah, you can take it a lot of different ways, and you have a choice of how you'd like to take it depending on what you roll. Mm-hmm. Now we go to the foundling with she, where mm -hmm. you get the your um, mechanic is called the protector's burden. Again, there's several layers to this too. Probably best not to just read it all out. Yeah, Wis you get wisdom from many places. What you get is a certain uh, narrative move of when you're trying to study with a master to learn a technique, and you get special things for trying to adapt it and make it your own. You also have cultural bonds when you try to connect with an NPC via shared culture. Role plus heritage. And basically this role will actually tell me a bit about how that NPC is feeling about your heritage. Okay. Whether they actually connect with you, whether they whether they share an experience with you, maybe a vulnerability, or who knows, maybe you roll a, a miss and uh, they decide, you know, and I have to play it off that the NPC has a problem with your heritage. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, it's gonna be or rather, one. it's 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 technically implied that on a miss, you technically said something that triggered wrong with them, something yeah. about your heritage, something you said or did. Let's see, uh, the idealist with uh, Takwa. I'm confused. I'm reading this, and I just don't get it. Okay, well, we'll talk uh, about I it. <laughs> okay. It's cool.
for the idealist, for Tukwata, it's never turn my back. You've seen sadness and grief, and you're no stranger to loss and pain, but you know the world can be a better place, and nothing happens without good people fighting for what's right. You have a code that you hold dear, and you choose the right three ideals. I see you already chose two. Always stand up to bullies, never strike the first blow, and then you have a third option, too. It's hard, because it says, okay, always speak the truth. Like, that seems like a disadvantage. And then never leave a friend behind? We totally left a friend behind. <laughs> what do we call him? Some acquaintance. Okay. Oh. Acquaintance, and honestly, it was to help you. So. Yeah. Okay. Was it Rat Snitch Jerry? I don't remember his name. He wasn't great. <laughs> no, it was Hayate. Hayate. It was Hayate. Hayate. Hayate the wind. Yeah. The, the airbender. He's a snitch. That's all I know. Okay. Wasn't a snitch. Hayate <laughs> took the bullet air. for us. <laughs> for once, okay. yeah. See, I, I don't like always and never. So these all start with like it's always speak the truth, always stand up to bullies, and I'm like, well, um, there's supposed to be ideals. Okay, so, what you aspire to? Yeah, what I aspire to is to see. I don't want to never strike the first blow either, but I chose that one because well, I'm we honorable. We can also we can also do the thing <laughs> of coming up with our own. Ah, we can I, do that. Okay, I. The last thing is never. Always keep your secrets. Mm. Wait, no, mm. that's not. <laughs> I would go with strike the first blow. Never strike or always strike. Always strike. <laughs> Ooh. Shoot first. No. <laughs> Start Just calling like Han. Han. <laughs> <laughs> Never strike. Okay, and I, I so I have always stand up to bullies. Never strike the first blow, and I just need a last one. And I, I will. So wait, like, wait. Can I make jokes? Like, if I'm like being sarcastic, can I? Like, is that like part of it too? So if I'm like. See, see, hmm. is it like only in real life things, like serious things, or like I always have to not tell a lie? The truth is also a matter of perspective. That is true. Bear okay, mind. I'm going to pick always keep your promises. Always keep your promises. And then promises mm-hmm. shall yep. be kept. And then never promise anything. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or like, is that oh, wasn't a promise. That's my that playbook. That was like just a conversation. <laughs> well, here's why those ideals matter. Because... Part of the mechanic is when you live up to your ideals at a significant cost, someone who witnessed it or heard about it actually hears about your sacrifice, approaches you to affirm their allegiance to your group's purpose. And then you get to write their name down and they are an ally and you can actually get like a lot of good connections with this, meaning they see the fact that you are holding true to your ideals, even when you like have to sacrifice for them, especially when you sacrifice for them. Yeah, so it's kind of like the concept of. You know from your past of your tragedy happening that there are things that need to need to happen for others. And when you take a strong stance, people notice because they also mm-hmm. kind of understand your pain and they see that as something that's admirable. I mean, it's very easy to think that the Earth sages were bullied. I mean, they pretty much were bullied by politicians and by the Earth King. So always stand up to bullies. That makes sense. Always keep your promises. The fact that all of this information is hidden and there's so much shadow conspiracy, it's very easy to understand why you'd be for the truth. 
never strike the first blow? I mean, that could just be a matter of respect or honor. Or tactics. Or you know. or it could or also be, it could also go with the bullies. Bullies yeah. tend to strike the first blow. You're not a yeah. bully. And if you wait, then you know what they're going to do and you can hit them even better. Yeah. It's not always I just feel like some of them were just bad. Like, never deny a request for help. I'm like, what if a bad person requests help from me? Well, I think yeah. at this point it's supposed to be the idea of, obviously, you, you have some forethought into it. So, yeah, if you okay. see, like, for example, like, someone <laughs> who you definitely by. don't trust <laughs> is asking for help, you definitely don't need to be like, I have to, I have to help you. It's not mm. like that. It has to, it, you know, there's some logic and sense behind it. Yeah, yeah, I would say, so these are, yeah, so it's very much that these are ideals. It's not a rule that your character must follow. This is something that you wish you could always do, but you pragmatically know you can't always do. And okay. if you do these things, then you get benefits because that is what you want to see in the world. It's what you want from yourself. But of course, you can't always live up to these standards. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the main thing is, this is supposed to tie into how you feel about the tragedy that happened in your life. Did that answer any of your questions? I think so. So it was just, I think for my codes, always stand up to bullies. You know, I was alone. Like, I didn't have many friends. So that makes sense. Never strike the first blow. I think it's just kind of like, okay, like, I'm not a troublemaker. You know, I only fight when you I react. am provoked. And then keep yeah. your promises. It's just, you know, because I've had promises broken to me so many times. It's like, I don't trust people. And if I make a promise, then you know I can follow through. Yeah. That's part of the reason why I think this is funny, that they want you to build your campaign and your backstory first, or your episode zero first, before you start answering these questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can kind of understand. I mean, it, it helped in some ways, but it, I can also understand why you would do it a more normal way. Yeah. Yeah. Normal. I mean, I like the idea of, oh, we'll go into this when we start getting into our rules. I mean, our, uh, well, what we dubbed Big Cake Talk before, not sure what we'll call it this time. We'll call it something fun. And now we go over to the successor with Way. You have a, a tainted past. I do. You hail dun, from dun, a dun. famous lineage, one with impressive and terrible reputation. Your lineage has had a massive impact on the world within the scope of your story. Its reach extends over the whole scope, and everyone in the scope knows of it. Choose one domain that is the source of your lineage's power, the area in which they affected the world, and another into which they are beginning to extend their reach. Now again, you're working, you grew up with the Wang Shitong Library, where of course, knowledge is everything. Yeah, Elite Academics is the one that I have chosen. For their source of power. Yeah, and I don't know, honestly, like, I feel like they may have used to have that kind of vigilante thing with the Siwang Desert Tribes, mm -hmm. but I think that they don't have that anymore. I think they're losing power at well, this point. Again, this is before they closed their doors, like, completely. Right, but I would say they're my thought them. is, is that they're, yeah, they're scaling back. Like, it used to be bigger than it was. Well, at this point, maybe maybe we can always write one in. I'd say lineage extending reach into securing and safeguarding knowledge. Uh, you also have access to your family's extensive stores of two of the following resources. You already chose obscure or forbidden knowledge and spiritual artifacts or tombs. 
You spend resources during the session to establish a boon that you had previously asked for or obtained, something that your lineage's unique position in stores could provide. Maybe a vehicle, maybe an invitation, a chest, or jade coins, etc. So at this point, I would imagine it's probably like you probably took some knowledge out with you. Maybe some scrolls, something like that. So it'd be more kind of like, you know, kind of like a mixed bag. Be like, oh, hey, I think I got a scroll for that. Or maybe that I just have the training that I was given. Yeah, you can do that too. It doesn't seem like if you're in a life or death chase that you would probably have a whole lot of luggage on you yeah. and have time to have gotten all your scrolls together. That is and true. So it, if it's it very may important. just be like rolling for the fact of whether or not this makes sense that I had training in it. True. Speaking of which, you also have an ability called Humble Yourself. When you politely and obediently humble yourself before a powerful member of your lineage, roll with your tradition. Um, on a hit, you earn some credit. So basically, this is about your ties with your lineage. Now, of course, what this means for me as the GM is, of course, we have to be at the library at some point, or you have to run into some members from your lineage, of course, so that way we can have fun with this. You also can choose to raid your lineage's resources. When you raid your lineage's resources without their consent or knowledge, Market condition and roll with progress. Basically, you acquiring, again, more of those resources. And so with the Wang Tong, it's knowledge. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that we're all done with that, now we're on to moves and techniques, because every playbook, well, most playbooks get two, some get three. I think there's even one that gets one. Um, They have playbook moves. Again, moves being the narrative triggers that a roll should happen. I already see that my you picked two. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the two you picked? Yes, sure. So for my you, I decided to lean heavily into the more emotional approach to matters because I feel like Mayu, though he is a firebender, he doesn't really use those abilities that often. He finds that it usually scares people or intimidates people, and that's not really what he's all about. And so... I picked up uh, Don't Hate You, which is the most tsundere thing I think I've ever read, which is you <laughs> awkwardly connect to a, another person. But I feel like this this might come up in a situation where I could help other people or hopefully help myself a little bit by making an attempt to connect or relate to other people party members and learn a little bit more about everyone, which is what I'm all about in uh, tabletop games. And then I also chose No Time for Feelings, which I felt like kind of fit the character a little bit more. Mayu is always trying to reach out to other people and learn more about other people, but he doesn't really think about sharing things about himself very often. And so... Hmm. When somebody tries to attack his emotions or attack his thoughts or learn more about him, he's going to kind of shut that down as much as he can. Nice. Two very good choices. I specifically like Don't Hate You because it's mm -hmm. one of the main moves that do what I call the stat switch. Usually the narrative moves like guide and comfort, plead and everything have a certain status associated with it. Don't Hate You is a move that actually swaps it. So mm. rather than harmony with guide and comfort, Mayu can instead roll with passion. Oh, okay. So it actually swaps it around. Yeah. Instead of yeah, yeah, that's what I, I I put a lot of points into passion because I was noticing that that was a lot of the ability that I would need. 
That's correct. And yeah, I, I don't know much about the system yet, but it seems like that was going to be really fitting for the character and the kind of things that I want to do with this character. Yep, that's the type of thing. You also find it in uh, Magpie Games' other game written by Brennan Conway, uh, Masks. There's a lot of stat swapping moves in there too, where it's mm -hmm. sort of like, okay, you have a character that's normally like the muscle, but they throw in a move for you to do social stuff and let you use your more muscly stats or the more attitude stats, but usually at like either a cost or a stipulation. And it gives mm -hmm. you a bit more dynamic character instead of just the muscle. You're like a muscle with a heart, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, now we go over to She with the Foundling. All right. Yeah, I picked a couple. <laughs> I picked a couple? I'm having with the starting moves. So I went with Trusty Talisman. I thought the Mangrove Root Necklace would be a good talisman for me to have to rely on. So she, he will tend to touch it and use it while he's doing water bending or anything like that. Or try to... Yeah, oh, yeah, it's it's connection connection to the swamp and water and power. So especially if he's trying anything complicated, he'll rely on that trusty talisman. And it also allows to use harmony instead of focus. So the foundling starts off with a base negative one on focus. And originally I toyed with just having my focus using my base plus one to raise the focus to a zero. But it would make more sense for she as a character to put that plus one that we get from character creation into harmony and but that for him is why the trusty talisman is such an important thing because it ties things together for him and then kind of like what just we were talking about was relating to others i kind of picked things in common and it's Ooh. a little bit difficult because when you guide and comfort someone who shares a training or a background with you by talking about the things we have in common on hits, we become inspired. Inspired and is a status that can yes. be used. So I become inspired if I hit. They become inspired if they also hit. I think that might be perfect, you being my lodestar. That's exactly why I picked it. Mm -hmm. Because I was That's like, okay, nice I'm going like lodestar. It. That will be a useful combination for us Yeah. to uh, double tap. Because I'll be talking to you about the harmony of things. Mm-hmm. And us both being benders, it would be a slightly different approach, but still we both bend bend mm. elements to our will. Yeah. I'll awkwardly connect with you, and then you'll say something <laughs> actually useful. Right. There you go. <laughs> you'll say something awkward, and I'll talk about the interconnectedness of everything, and I'll, I'll grip <laughs> my like, mango yeah, while I do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I meant. I am a huge fan of ones that especially link to, you know, other th other mechanics. Mm. So I definitely love where that's going. Right. Hey, uh, now we go over to Takwa with the Idealist. Did you take a look at the Idealist moves? I have, but it, it's just, I still, I think I'm going to go with it doesn't belong with you. And then I Ooh. can't think of, like, I don't understand enough for the others where i feeling strongly about any of them. Okay, well, if you got questions, now's the time. So, the strength of your heart. It sounds like if I try to take over position, it hurts them more by trying to not let me take it? I don't know. 29. Okay, you're talking about it doesn't... What one again? Actually, um, I went for it doesn't belong to you. Okay. So, it sounds like that's good for stealing. And then... Well, it's... You keep in mind, it's... The stipulation with that is when you secretly pocket something owned by someone undeserving. Mm -hmm. So it's mostly supposed to be geared towards like, you know, like, for example, what you guys did 
during the uh, session zero where mm-hmm. you saw this important information. They are being shady. They are clearly undeserving of their titles and roles. Let's take something from them so that way we can try to figure out what they're doing. So is this going to be useful going forward? Or is that it- very well can be. That's totally up to you. I'll try to put you and sit. I'll say the thing. Each one of these moves, mechanics, and everything is trying to tell me what to do and what type of situations to put you guys in. It's a bit different than other tabletop RPGs where it's just sort of like, okay, you have these classes in your party. Okay, well, I'm just going to put you guys in this story situation. You know, oh, hey, maybe there might be something that caveats because someone's maybe like a cleric of a certain god or something like that. Uh Uh-uh. And uh, Avatar and a lot of other Power by the Apocalypse games, I need to take a look at this stuff because otherwise... Why do you have the mechanic if I'm not going to trigger it? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel like this is difficult to approach if you've mostly played D&D and you kind of had to get into a completely different mindset when playing these sort of Powered by the Apocalypse games. You Oh, GM is a whole different beast. <laughs> yes, yeah. It, it, but at, coming from a player's perspective, it's just so very different. When you're picking out your scenes, you're going to think about more about your character than the campaign itself and that was something i really struggled with in the beginning as well because i've always built my characters based on campaigns i just want to work with a group but with this kind of thing you got to think of your character first and find a way to make it work with the group yep and then i take a look at what the choices you've made and try my best to put you in situations that will hopefully trigger them don't worry so much about is this going to be relevant is this going to work out work Think more about, like, would my character do this? Is this fitting for the person that I want to play? So, I mean, that makes sense. But then also mm-hmm. I'm looking at, like, can't knock me down. So it looks like if I if it gets triggered, it seems like there is there are circumstances where I would have to then have, like, some sort of battle with somebody. And that seems like that's gonna... Can't knock me down, I call the Captain America. It is it is a hundred percent Captain America. When you engage in a in a combat with a superior opposition and openly refuse to back down or flee, you roll with harmony for the rest of the battle whenever you defend and maneuver. Because normally defend and maneuver is a different stat. So this is one of those ones I said replaces a stat. The caveat being you cannot choose to escape the scene. Yeah, so I just have to die. Okay. Dying is extremely rare in this game. That's extremely rare in the narrative. But then um, it just seems like it's going to take, like, that's going to thwart our mission, you know? Like, it's like, it, oh, you guys, exactly. go on ahead. I'm going to have to fight this person until one of us, like, backs down. Like, No, you won't have some, there'll be a couple of us that will not leave you. But it goes along with some of your, you remember how you had to pick your virtues? Yeah. The things that you liked? So, always stand up to bullies, you could easily go with... Your rules stink and then can't knock me down to go with your values about I need to stand up for weak people and stand up against bullies because you. But I just don't understand how these are moves like how they are narrative triggers. So they're mostly about when a certain story element happens. For example, you have whatever I can. That is a move. When you spend time talking to the locals about their problems, roll with harmony. That's the narrative trigger is when you talk to locals. So when you talk to a local, that's when I that's when we would do this. So can't knock me down is when you actively choose that Takwa like this battle means something to her to her. To um him. this battle is important. 
This is not, you know, that maybe this is just a supreme bully. Or who knows, maybe this might be the person who maybe, you know, might have killed your parents, maybe? And, uh, you know. <laughs> I just don't understand how it works. So, for whatever I can, I talk to locals and then I find out about their issues. And then what do I do with that information? Like, I don't. Whatever you want. It's, it's all What narrative. if I don't want to do anything? What if I don't even want to talk to them? Well, at that point, I mean, you well, don't have to. It's when you talk to locals. Yeah, I don't want to talk to locals. I do not recommend that move. Yeah. So, like, what's the strength of your heart then? Like, it just, like, I just don't. It takes all. Um, these the don't seem like the heart, same types of things. The yeah. strength of heart is a combat maneuver because it's a, it's specifically saying when you seize a position, which is a combat maneuver. So, do uh, I want foes that? Most, that is a. I mean, that's up to you if it's what you think your character would have. But I don't know what I'm risking, you know, since I only choose two. Like, what is... I just don't get if... Well, like, you I just can don't... get more later. <laughs> yeah, so strength of your heart would be about if you're going to take a position, you're going to get to that position. Yeah, and basically, you're basically making it harder for your opponents to stop, to you. stop you. And again, whatever I can is about talking to the locals about their problems. If you don't feel like your character would do that, then don't worry about it. Your, your rules stink. When you stand up to an adult by telling them their rules are stupid, that's the narrative trigger. If you don't think your character would do that, then don't pick it. And you can't knock me down. If you don't feel like your character would ever have a moment where in a fight they would say, I have to do this. I have to win. I have to end this fight. I have to do this. I have to get back up. I have to keep going. Let's take a let's take a few steps back, right? So I feel like this is something that a lot of people who are going to very first time stepping into power by the apocalypse or this is an issue that a lot of people are going to have. Probably and so not. let's, let's, let's go, let's go back a few steps. Right. Okay. So Lisa, you're, you're thinking of your character. There's a conflict about to happen. What is your character going to do? Are you going to attack this conflict head on? Or are you going to try and avoid this fight? I can answer that. Right. I'll attack uh-huh. it head on. However, okay. yeah, like I can't, why would I choose talking to locals over this? Like, do the do I suspect that locals will have information that is like useful to me? Um, but that doesn't possible. help me. That doesn't help me fight. So I'm just going to be like, well, useless. oh, there's a oh, okay. Here's the fun thing about Avatar Legends. Avatar Legends is first and foremost a very social game. Think of it yeah. like the show. They talk through things a lot. They find out. They investigate a lot. So, so it's a lot of social stuff down? too. Isn't that social fighting too or is that like physical yes. fighting no that's phys- that's can't knock me down that is actually combat related that is not a yes. social thing so if you're saying that you want your character to be attacking things head-on and you want to approach things very directly then you might want to choose something like can't knock me down because that sounds like something that your character is going to be more inclined to do as opposed to taking a moment and stopping to talk to locals your character is going to be like here we go, this is happening, and I'm involved now. Yeah, because more than likely, as being the idealist, your harmony is going to be pretty high. So what can knock me down is... It's only one. That's very high. And I added one, so it's two now. That's well, high. No, that's that, that pretty is high. That's high for, in yeah, that is high. Apocalypse. You roll <laughs> yeah. 56, but that's because I made it high. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah that, that's the same thing with my passion. So, my passion is my highest stat, and it's a two. Just like so what heart. this is allowing you to do is something, which is defend and maneuver, that would require a different stat. And instead, it's letting you 
use your what is most likely going to be your highest stat, which is Harmony. So that way it's letting you substitute stats, just like how I mentioned earlier. And in regards to that, it helps you. But again, there's a caveat, which is that this will be a fight you know you cannot back down from. In order to for you to use that that better stat, you have to do that narrative caveat. I think this is just sort of giving you a spot to like kind of think through your character. Like, if I'm in this situation, what do I think is going to be my character's reaction? Do I think that that's going to be an important thing for my character to do? Or that doesn't seem like what I would do at all. So if you're not going to get up and and want to not back down... Yeah, that's that, dumb. Don't do that. <laughs> then don't <laughs> like, do that It's one. like, oh, this clearly superior person, I am going to fight them to the death. It's like, well, that's dumb. Like, well, yeah. She just called I, Captain America would. dumb. Captain <laughs> America I mean, is dumb. Like... He's, he's naive. He's, he's naive. Himbo. Like he doesn't. He came from a different time, you know. Like the a person with his ideals wouldn't like would be would be a disadvantage in this world. This is also a situation where if you feel like you're not really getting a handle on the playbook, you can choose a different one. Pick it We're still playbook. in the creation phase. So <laughs> far, I mean, you've had a lot of questions about the idealist and how it works, and if you don't feel like it, it re- re- registers to you. We can do that, and we'll handle that off. You know, yeah. we'll handle that off to the side. I have to I say, say how like, personality I'm... things and combat moves would be considered the same category. It is. That, yeah, it's more because... about how your character does than what your character does. How you would approach things. Well, I'm not gonna like talk to locals when I get in a fight. That's lame. No, well, no, you... no, no, no. It has nothing to do with get. <laughs> that move has nothing to do with about being in a fight. That move is literally a social. So if yeah, it's two social things, I'll be useless. That is not true in the slightest. No. So, I mean, if you, if, I took two social things. Okay. So, so my you, trusty talisman will be more useful in the social. Then you have to rely on others. Yeah. Yeah. And so I took trusty talisman the... and things in common. My things in common is probably going to be when Lee and I are discussing stuff. Mm. And she'll awkwardly try to relate to me. And I'll relate back to, well, these are the things we have in common as people that do bending. But then... I would like to point out at this point, sorry, that there are other moves. These aren't the only things you can do in the game. Oh, yeah. There are oh, yeah, basic yeah, yeah. moves. No, that's, I was just about like, to say You that. can just go up and punch somebody. That's totally fine. Yeah. These are special moves that you can do in addition to like anything else in this game. Yeah. Your character is just as capable as a fighter as anyone else in combat. These yeah. moves are just little yeah. sprinkles. Little sprinkles. Little additions for your you characters. Do. So, like, if you want to get involved with a fight, you have no disadvantage. You have just as much fighting ability as anybody else. It's just that these are things that give you benefits in other ways. So, so we can't lose, right? Technically, I uh, well, I mean, there are different. It depends on your definition of lose. Yeah, I mean, like, if you guys are are in a situation where, let's say, you're trying to defend a local from some bullies, maybe you might not roll well. Maybe they might have an upper hand or something, and let's say you might have to run. Or maybe they'll, you know, get you down low, and then they'll be like, ha, you're not worth our times, and then walk off, and you have a learning situation. Okay, but at the end of everything, we would have got into the library, which was, like, our goal, and we would have, like, I would have found out that my parents, how they died, right? 
Maybe. Maybe. Believe me, yes. Part of your character's whole arc Could is die. how your characters, how your parents died. So, of course, we're going to tap into that somehow. Yeah, it might, might, might be at the library. Might not be. For right now, the library seems like the best option. Who knows? Maybe along the way, we might find out some other way. Some other way that makes narrative sense. Or somewhere along the way, we might get caught by someone we didn't anticipate. Yeah. Or two of us may decide to turn on the other two. If what you're worried about <laughs> is not having a good resolution to your story, I don't think that you should worry so much about that. Yeah, that will that will happen. Don't worry about it. This is more about playing and knowing about how you want to play in the game. Okay. Powered by the Apocalypse of Navatar Legends is very heavy on play to find out. That is one of the yeah. core tenets of the game. And it's so, so different than normal D&D, so I don't blame you for being, like, super confused right now. <laughs> this is more like collaborative storytelling, where D&D is more like playing a game together. So these are, again, narrative triggers. These are story triggers that your character yeah. just happens to be good at, because anyone could technically walk up to a local and ask what, what their deal is, what their problems are. But an idealist, you can choose to be very good at it. To get more of a get more of a narrative result, a better narrative result, a more thorough narrative result. So I guess I guess it's also like out of any of us, the other four of us, you're most likely to stand up to someone and tell someone who's in charge, your rules are crap. I don't agree with them, and they're unjust. And the rest of us would stand around and go, Yeah. Whoa. You're right. So we'll I support get- you. That I am the one that is most likely to do this, but mm-hmm. I do not feel that it would be a dis- an advantage to do it every time or to even. You don't do have it. to do it every time. You don't have you to, don't do, have it to do it every time. When it makes sense. Well, that's to. not the point. Like it's just and you... like, like it's mm-hmm. it's taking away from something. You know what I mean? Like if I, like yes, I can talk to people, but then like. You could stand up to the Earth Kingdom magistrate and tell him that taxes are unjust all you want until you're blue in the face. It's not going to change anything about it. So you won't do it all the time. No, you won't do it all the time. And you also have other options. Like there's a lot of you. You can do anything you want in this game. Like it. this is just something that's like an extra bonus if you want to use it. All right. And you have stats you can add to these roles. You have options to make these roles better and make your moves better. This is just going to be like the thing that you're best at because it's the thing that your character most wants to do. I guess it's like when you watch the series or other things, you'll see stuff that the characters do. You're like, wow, that was impressive. They stood up to the big bad guy and inspired their friends to stand up also. Lisa, I also think that some of the things that you were talking about, like that you're feeling like your character would deal with, is maybe more in the rogue playbook. The I was thinking that too. Being, being yeah. a somebody who is relying completely on themselves versus finding the the balance with being in a group is like the rogue playbook. Let's let's tear down some curtains here a lot. She's <laughs> never played a TTRPG yes. before, yeah, and she didn't know the baggage that comes with rogues. A lot of rogues are douchebags, and you don't, don't know that. Yeah, True you don't that. have to play one like a douchebag. Yeah, but you're not going to be that. But way then it's not going to be have... fun. No, no I think it's it super be. fun. I think it no. will be. <laughs> 
Now, Leah, I get what you're saying with BIOS, so this is part of the reason why I also mentioned it, is because I know a lot of people who are new to tabletop RPGs and kind of think they can do whatever they want without any type of ramification or consequence. So when they play, when I hear like, especially a new person say they want to play something that's definitely like it has a trickster element or some kind of outlaw element, I try to hammer home the fact that actions have consequences, especially if they're your other party members. And and from what you're saying so far, Lisa, I think it would work very well for you to be the rogue because their crux is kind of, or their struggle is based around friendship versus survival. Yeah. And what you're talking about is a lot of, you're worried about your character's survival. But then you've also got this balance between, we're your friends. We need your help. So okay. that could easily become a building point for your character's struggles. A lot like where, like we're, and this is great that we're talking through a lot of this because there'll be a lot of people that sit down and play Avatar Legends that don't quite pick the yeah. appropriate playbook for what they feel. Honestly, and as you start talking through these solutions, it becomes, no you should actually be this other playbook. That would make more sense. That's one thing I noticed with Avatar Legends is that, you know, they kind of give you like a bare bones, like this is what this playbook is about. But then you'd look at it deeper and deeper and you're like, well, okay, there's a lot more layers to it. Like the idealist, it's like, okay, you have a hidden tragedy, but then all of a sudden you start having ideals broiled in and, you know, it starts to get, you know, starts to seem like a certain specific thing that they're trying to do, which yes, in a way they're trying to fit archetypes. And a lot of the characters in the show, you can even see as a lot of these archetypes. But yeah, like, you know, again, your character, I mean, from what it sounds like is that you are leaning more towards Rogue. And again, I am not going to, you know, I apologize if I came across as anything by making it sound like you shouldn't. That is not true. I mean, I think if any of us are honest, a lot of our first characters were Rogues. And because they're we should awesome. give Lisa that, oh, no, that I, same I, privilege. I <laughs> I my first actually God, I just a long time before I actually played a rogue. It's edgy rogue, orphan backstory, of course, for me. Or or a Robin Hood heart of gold type. That's the I, other way. I did a cleric. I was I a magic a, user. I did a badass cleric Losers. with tons of buffing stuff. God, and what I a was bunch kind of nerds. <laughs> Rogues are where it's at. Hey, in fifth grade I was a total nerd. <laughs> Oh, I'm still a total nerd. So actually, I'm going to pick my moves and then mull on this whole if I want to change to a rogue thing. So I'm okay. going to pick it doesn't belong to you and the strength okay. of your heart. Okay. 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 If you just want to pull that from the drop down. I did yeah, it. Oh. I think it would be worth you taking a look at rogue. I could easily see your character becoming a rogue without much problem. So, uh, Wei, what moves did you pick? Okay, I actually, I have a, a little question, okay. because it says that I have two moves, and then it says I have a mastered move, right? Oh, that's technique. Moves are different than uh, moves Okay, then maybe than I have three moves. Um, you choose two. It shows me three, but that's okay. So I'm going to choose Way of the Future okay. and Walk This Way. So the way of the future is going to mac or make my creativity higher and walk this way is going to let me either coach or disguise people to fit in. And I feel like my knowledge of, you know, kind of cultures and that sort of thing will kind of help me make my friends be able to blend in to any sure. circumstance. And that sounds great. 
Okay, well, I think we can wrap up. We'll save the techniques for when they're revealed in combat. How about that? That sounds good, actually. Yep. All right. So I think at that point, it's good for us to wrap up. I'd like to thank all of our legendary poddlers for joining us. Um, I know this was a lot. It was a lot for us. And also a lot of fun diving into the characters' backstories and lives. And, whoo, man, is this going to give me tons of ideas for how to make things go. Actually, Um, Jack, if you wouldn't mind, I also want to really quick give a shout out to our newest patron, Jim. Thank you so much, Jim. Hi, Jim. We really appreciate you. We love you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. And we love all of our patrons. They are our heroes in every sense of the word. Whether you're an earthworm or not. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Earthworm Jim, come on. He's just a groovy guy. No, we got it, Garrett. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to all of our legendary potters, our patrons, and any earthworms listening, thank you again. This is Even Footing Games bringing you Avatar Legends, and be on the lookout for episode one coming at you. Let's get this thing started. 